Hi everyone, I'm Jason Scorse and welcome to another episode of Dispatch from the Zombie Apocalypse. I hope everybody is doing great. So, today's episode is about American conservatism's descent into fascism. It's been a pretty rapid descent, so I just want to go through a little of the history of how we got to this moment. And then, obviously, what to do about it. So, the first thing to start out with here is that American conservatism, which really started in earnest with the election of Ronald Reagan in in 1980, has always primarily been a scam and a con, right? It's a system to maintain white supremacy and enrich the rich, but it throws in a lot of other rhetoric and a lot of supposed principles to kind of mask its true intention. Now, in the beginning, it did try to adhere to a few key principles, but they were mostly rhetoric. So even the ones they you know, consistently touted were mostly rhetoric. So the obvious one is that you know, conservatives believe in small government and fiscal discipline. Right? This has been you know, a complete sham since the beginning, right? Conservatives have never cut federal spending. They've just cut social programs and up military spending. But on net, government spending has gone up consistently under Republican presidents and often more so than under Democrats. They've never balanced the budgets or even come close. The only time we had a balanced budget in the last, you know, decades was at the end of Bill Clinton's term, so not a Republican president. And of course, there's nothing small government about policing women's bodies, right? I mean, this is the irony of the, quote, small government conservatives, is that if they had their way and abortion was made illegal across the United States, you would have, you know, investigators, legal systems, you know, literally infiltrating the most private decisions that a woman makes and potentially holding women and doctors, you know, criminally responsible for any decisions to to have abortions. And that that's definitely not small government. So, you know, although they tried to maintain some semblance of a coherent ideology, and even though most of it was just empty rhetoric, there were some things that they did that weren't all that bad, and that, you know, were principled. So, for example, Ronald Reagan signed an amnesty bill um, that legalized a couple million immigrants, and he spoke very highly of immigrants. You know, even though in many ways he was racist, he, you know, he definitely did not have this very kind of extreme anti-immigrant rhetoric, and in fact did the opposite and signed an amnesty bill. The first Bush expanded the Clean Air Act and instituted a cap-and-trade system for controlling acid rain that was actually quite successful, and this was the first cap-and-trade system ever enacted. And in fact, Bush won also, you know, increased taxes because he said, you know, the deficit was getting out of control. 
Even Bush, too, who is the second worst president in American history for obviously the Iraq war and the, and the Afghanistan war and the torture, etc. He expanded Medicare and education funding. You know, so even he had some policies that were, you know, that were progressive in some dimensions. Now, it's also important to remember that conservatives in America uniformly opposed all elements of the social safety net when they were originally proposed. So Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare. And going back to Reagan for a second, you know, he warned that Medicare was, you know, the beginning of communism, right? So this is also a key theme. Every social program that has ever been expanded or initiated um, in recent American history has been claimed to be the road to communism uh, by the conservative movement. Of course, it's false, but that doesn't stop them. And we see this with Obamacare, and we saw this with Joe Biden, right? I mean, you know, Joe Biden's a a socialist, a communist, right? The most centrist um, Democrat to date uh, was labeled a communist, right? So this is an old playbook. So the Republicans know they have no chance to dismantle these programs now. One thing they have been correct about is that once these programs are instituted, it's pretty much impossible to take them away because people get used to the, the benefits and enjoy them. It's also important to remember that the American conservative movement has always been very far to the right of the rest of the advanced world. I've made this point on many podcasts, but it's always worth repeating, that conservatives in Europe would be considered far left here. If I was to take the key platforms of the conservative movements in Germany, in UK, in France, uh, in all throughout, obviously, Scandinavia, and you know, put them on a chart, and I asked somebody, you know, off the street, what type of political party do you think supports these? They would say something far left socialist. And yet these are conservative parties, right? So what happened? How did this movement that at least tried to cling to some moral and intellectual legitimacy and, you know, did do a few decent things over the decades, it wasn't just all military spending and tax cuts. How did it descend into fascism? This is a serious question, and, and, you know, it's worth exploring for a few minutes. So I will get it to that right after this break. Home with broken hearts I'm free I'm free falling Yeah, I'm free Free falling Okay, so I think the best way to understand what happened to conservatives in the United States is to think about a situation in where your core agenda you want to keep, you know, disguised. But you mix in a little truth and you do a few good things to kind of keep the facade. But then ultimately the dishonesty kind of engulfs and consumes the whole movement. And I think the way to kind of illustrate this is think about, you know, we all know individuals in our lives, or most of us at least, 
who are liars, right? Whether we've grown up with them, whether they're in our family, whether it's work colleagues, whether it's friends, most of us know people who lie a lot. And what starts out mostly innocent can ultimately consume these people, right? Because in order to cover one lie, you always have to make another lie. And then what happens to these people who are loose with the truth is that it's hard to keep up anymore. You know, I, I've known people like this where it's just anything that's inconvenient, they just make a quick little lie. But then if you call them on it, they re- their, their response is to make up another lie to cover the lie. And, you know, if you do that long enough, it really, you become so entangled that everything becomes kind of a lie and all your integrity is gone. And this is what happened to U.S. conservatives, right? They told everyone that tax cuts were going to pay for themselves and lead to higher economic growth. That was a lie, but they stuck with it. And they had to make up more and crazier lies and then blame, you know, left-wing economists for trying to, you know, trying to correct them. Right? They said they believed in fiscal discipline and those big spend liberals, but then they spent trillions on wars and tax cuts. So they had to project their irresponsibility on others. Right. So it's, you know, it's socialist Biden, socialist Obama after they spent trillions down rat holes on pointless wars. Now, ultimately, with nothing left to stand on, they had to just resort to completely blaming others and deflecting attention away from their nakedly plutocratic agenda. And if there's one tried and true way to shift attention in America, it's to blame black people, women, immigrants and liberal elites. It's literally the oldest deflection uh, in the playbook. And so when you become a party bereft of ideas or principles or truth, it easily can descend into a grievance cult, which is where we found ourselves in this last decade. You know, from the beginning of the Tea Party movement, the GOP has been a white grievance cult in the service of plutocracy. Now, in it's clear that the majority of Americans isn't buying what Republicans and conservatives are selling. And so now that most people are on to them, that after decades of lying and lying and we can see through it, now they have to attack democracy to stay in power. And that's where you get that final descent into fascism, right? The lying doesn't work anymore. People are on to you. The gig is up. And so now you have to attack democracy at its very foundation. And there you easily slip into fascism. And that's where we are with the Republican Party and conservatism in 2021. So now we have two movements in America. We have a progressive movement represented by the Democrats and a fascist movement represented by the Republicans. The Republican Party is not conservative in any way, shape or form. It is a fascist movement. So we have progressive versus fascist. Now, it's interesting in historical perspective, the conservative movement didn't last very long in America, right? If you think about Reagan 1980, that's less than 40 years, right? So it was a pretty quick descent. And that's because when you're that extreme and that dishonest, you can't really survive for that long. You can pull the wool over people's eyes for a while, but not forever. Right. So conservatism no longer exists, even in the bastardized form uh, that it was practiced in the last few decades doesn't exist anymore. 
Republicans currently don't even pretend to have ideas about anything or anything to constructive to offer. They're just here to destroy the foundations of democracy so that they can rule through minority rule. So this is a pretty dangerous place. And so obviously we want to think about where we go from here. And I will introduce that with the antidote after the break. Okay, so for the antidote for today, it's more kind of something to meditate on and a kind of set up for a topic in the next podcast episode. So this is the reality, right? It's going to take a long time for the Republican Party to become anything halfway responsible, right? I would totally be happy with a center-right governing party that was truth-based, fact-based, and mirrored more of the principled conservatives in Europe. There would be tons of stuff I wouldn't agree with, but at least that would be a serious party that you could negotiate in good faith with and wasn't attacking democracy. That might never happen. And if it is going to happen, it's going to take decades. And in order to deal with the things we have to deal with in America and the world, we don't have decades to wait while the Republican Party tries to attack democracy and maybe slowly over decades reforms into something sensible. So we need to keep them out of power. And the way to do that is to be unapologetically progressive and show the country that the Democratic Party can get things done, that they can see and feel quickly so they get their faith back in governing and faith back in the Democratic Party to keep the Republican fascist party out of office for a significant amount of time to build back U.S. institutions. So this is going to be the topic of the next episode, and I think it will be a little surprising the context that I put it in. So uh, I hope you will join in for that in a couple weeks. So until then, everybody, I hope you're doing well. If you're enjoying the podcast, please uh, share it with family, friends, and colleagues. Rate it. Subscribe on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And with that, take care.